Gone are the days of knights and chivalry, and yet that hasn't changed God's vision of you as a man of valor. Today, pornography is a simple mouse click away, and sexual addiction is at an epidemic level. Dr. Mark Laser is an internationally known author and speaker, the leading Christian authority on sexual addiction, and the host of Faithful and True's online radio production, The Men of Valor Program. Here now is Dr. Mark Laser. Welcome to our show today. We're going to continue, Randy, to talk about the uh, seven principles of recovery, of the healing journey, and today we are moving on to principle four. This uh, this series is going quickly for me. I, I hope it's going like that for the listeners as well. We're, uh, I marveled at the fact that uh, of the seven principles, we're all the way up to number four this morning, which is we seek accountability and to build our character as children of God. Great subject there. Well, you know, there's a lot of different things in this uh, principle. As the listeners already know, we're basing this series of shows on the life guide for men that I wrote back in, I think, the late 90s. And uh, when we were doing that, we were kind of working off of the uh, wisdom of the 12 steps. And the seven principles are based on combinations of the steps. And for those uh, people out there that are listening, that are uh, attending a 12-step group, they'll they'll recognize perhaps that uh, this principle number four is, is based on uh, steps six and seven, which are basically about uh, character development. Okay. Uh, we, uh, we humbly ask God to remove all defects of character, and uh, that kind of assumes uh, we know what our defects of character are, Randy. So, right, right. But... The principles build on each other, and if we spent some honest time <clears throat> looking at uh, principle three, which is about our uh, moral inventory, the history of our life, the history of our sinfulness, the uh, history of our anger and anxiety and stuff like that, then uh, if we've done that work well, we should be more prepared for uh, this principle. In other words, this principle four is based about around accountability. Is that not true? Well, it is true, certainly, that this principle is uh, based around accountability. Uh, actually, all of the principles uh, require some level of accountability. In other words, you need to be accountable to your group, uh, to others, to be working on these uh, principles. Uh, but in this uh, particular principle, uh, we take some time out to uh, look at the whole idea of accountability in the uh, first assignment of this principle in the workbook. And uh, one of the things that we emphasize uh, in the work is uh, to make sure that as you're working an accountability program that you probably need a general of that accountability group, uh, which the 12-step programs for many, many years, has been calling your sponsor. So let's get to that uh, in just a minute. I think before we move on, we should point our audience to the fact that I have written a whole book about it called The Seven Principles of Highly Accountable Men. So, And we've done uh, a couple of shows on accountability uh, that are in our archives, I would think. So 
uh, the listeners are really interested in a detailed explanation of accountability, there would be those other uh, resources there to uh, understand that. And just like the uh, the workbook or this uh, you know life guide for men that we are uh, taking these principles from, all of these. Um, resources are available at faithfulandtrue.com in our bookstore. So when you're hearing us mention um, resources like the Life Guide for Men or Dr. Laser's book uh, about accountability, uh, if you go to our bookstore on faithfulandtrue.com, you'll find all these. They're very easy to order, and uh, we can ship them out directly to you. Um, So back to this uh, principle number four, Mark, you know, I think most addicts believe, um, well, there's a tendency for you to want to recover on your own. Yeah, that that's definitely true. Uh, uh, addicts uh, are historically full of shame, so they basically think that no one else will love them if they uh, are aware of the addict's actual story. So that tends to drive addicts into a profound amount of silence, and uh, they don't share their stories, they don't share their past, they don't share what they're feeling, they don't uh, certainly share negative emotions. You know, one of the the first things that addicts can do to reverse the process is to get in a group, uh, find other people who are struggling with the same issues, find out that they're not alone, they're not the only ones to have done, you know, terrible things, and... uh, to be able to share their their stories for the first time. Accountability really means finding a group of people that are able to support you and encourage you and uh, bring to you the collective wisdom of uh, uh, a larger fellowship of men struggling with the same issues. I've always been struck with your personal story of how uh, you had all of this um, shame and apprehension as you went to your first group meeting, right. thinking that you were the only one that had a story that was mm-hmm. this um, this shameful as they went around the room before you even had to speak mm-hmm. and others were able to give a, uh, a short version of their personal story. It puts you in a much more comfortable place as far as being able to open up. Yeah, that's right. And uh, that's the power of a group because one of the things we're going to get to here in just a minute is that you know, a group generally should have guys in it that are farther down the road than you are so that they are more experienced and practiced at uh, telling the truth, uh, sharing their story, offering help and encouragement. And uh, we beginners, when we first come to a meeting, we're going to need to have a role modeling of what it's like to uh, finally get honest. And uh, That's basically in this principle, if we're going to change, this principle is about changing our character. And if we're going to change our character and become truth tellers, uh, become uh, men of uh, integrity, men who are seeking sexual purity, we are going to need role models in terms of how that's done. So back in, uh, you know, the old Alcoholics Anonymous tradition, they established the fact early on, by the way, that uh, within the context of the larger group, we're we're going to need uh, one guy who is uh, kind of the director of the show, the one that is uh, somewhat personally responsible to make sure that we're doing some of the work that we need to do. And the title that was given to that role is, is sponsor. You know, it has all kind of implications for the business world and, you know, other kind of places. People sponsor us and, and really sponsor us to be successful. 
when you go to a, a meeting, you're going to be encouraged at some point after you've been there for a few weeks to pick out one person from that group, ideally a person who's probably got at least a year or so of sobriety. That's always one of the things that I believed is important to become your sponsor. And uh, in the workbook, uh, I, I describe some characteristics of uh, what a sponsor should be like. I, I was just thinking that uh, when I'm out there on the road speaking about accountability and other kinds of things about recovery, what is the uh, the role of sponsor is one of my most frequently asked questions. So let me just uh, read this list here to the listeners, and uh, I think they'll begin to get an idea. This may sound surprising because sometimes we think that a, a sponsor or an accountability group will be you know, the people who just remind us about things we're not supposed to do. But on the other hand, the first thing that a sponsor is, I think, is a per- is someone who will give you encouragement. I think we all need encouragement. We all need positive affirmations. A sponsor should be the major league cheerleader in your life, reminding you not just of what you're not going to do, but reminding you of the positive things that you're starting. A sponsor is someone who you can talk to uh, probably daily. Uh, I think particularly in the first few months, you're going to want to talk to your sponsor every day. My first sponsor, if I didn't call him three times a day, uh, and that was in the day before cell phones and electronics, he would come looking for me. He 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 actually would come to my house. Uh, he would try to find me. But beyond that, you know, the sponsor was someone that I learned to uh, talk to on a daily basis and tell him what I was thinking and feeling and worrying about and anxious about and angry about and all those things. Now, this is very key. I think a sponsor is not someone who is a fixer. In other words, they're not going to just offer you solutions. You know, a a sponsor is a person who is just going to listen. I think so oftentimes in the early days, we've never had people to listen to us without trying to fix us. So a sponsor's role should be to be a good listener. I like this idea, Mark, of the sponsor being an encourager and a good listener. I think it's a good point for us at which time uh, for us to take a break right now because mm-hmm. let's have let's have our our audience focus on the positivity of of that because I think mm-hmm. it can be intimidating when you're thinking of having a sponsor uh, because I think by nature most people struggling with any level of addiction don't like to be told what to do, you know, this kind of thing, where a sponsor uh, being viewed as an encourager, uh, building on the positive, uh, I I think that just leads to good, positive change. And uh, we're going to take a break at this point. You're listening to Dr. Mark Laser. This is the Men of Valor program, and we'll be right back. If you could read my mind, love, what a tale my thoughts could tell. Just like an old-time movie About a ghost from a wishing well In a castle dark Or a fortress strong With chains upon my feet Are you a man struggling with sexual addiction? Faithful and True is a Christian-based counseling center specializing in the treatment of sex addiction. Our well-trained staff has the highest levels of clinical expertise combined with personal experience to understand and effectively treat your sexual addiction. We have a proven track record for helping men who are seeking a transformation in their lives. Our three-day intensive workshops, led by Dr. Mark Laser, the leading Christian authority on sex addiction, is the most effective and affordable treatment program in the country. Our workshop alumni rate our workshops as life-changing. We also offer workshops for spouses and couples. If you're serious about making a change in your life, 
and are seeking a treatment program provided by the top Christian experts in the sex addiction field, visit us at faithfulandtrue.com to learn more. That's faithfulandtrue.com. Never thought I could feel this way And I've got to say that I just don't get it I don't know where we went wrong But the feeling's gone And I just can't get it back now for the trigger of the week. Well, the trigger of the week, uh, Randy, we're continuing what the recovery community has called HALT, which is an acronym for Hungry, Angry, Lonely, Tired. The listeners may remember that I added my own letter to that. So it's HALT B, and the B stands for boredom. Today, we're going to return to the beginning because we haven't covered uh, hungry yet. And maybe the reason I haven't covered hungry yet is it's the one that I think is the least understood and the the most confusing. Remember now, we're talking about triggers, things that will trigger us into being more vulnerable to our sinful behaviors, sexually sinful behaviors, or whatever other kind of addictive behaviors. Hungry really refers to unmet needs, I think. So it's not necessarily that we're physically hungry, although that can be part of it. I mean, I think if we're physically hungry, that can make us tired and you know that can make us a number of other things, so that may make us vulnerable. But I, but I think in a larger way, hungry means what are the things that you're longing for? What are the the needs that you have that are not getting met? I think a lot of people would recognize the fact that if we have needs and they're not getting met, that generally leads us to be angry about that. That leads us to be resentful. Anger and resentment will generally lead to feelings of entitlement, like I deserve to get my needs met. And that sense of entitlement will often lead us into the sinful behavior that we've now justified by the fact that that no one else cares, no one else loves us, Uh, I might as well take care of my own needs. So hunger is about unmet needs. By the way, there are those smart alecks in the program, particularly in the field of sexual addiction, who would like to translate the H into horny. Well, it... You know, it can be about, you know, sexual desire and lust and all of that kind of thing. But I think it's better to broaden this uh, trigger of the week into the hunger that we have when uh, we have unmet needs. Well, that's a good definition of hunger. I I thought you were going to lead us down the path of never go to the grocery store hungry because usually that results in a bigger pay payout at the cashier. Yeah. And then you get home and you go, why in the world did I buy this? Um, well, you know, if you wanted to use that example, you could say, you know, don't go out into the world, don't go to the mall, don't go to the beach, don't go to the pool, don't go to the gym. If you're in that uh, place where you're into uh, unmet needs, if if you're if you're lonely, if you're feeling like no one cares or takes care of you, if you have anger and resentment, uh, you know, don't go to the grocery store. Yeah, well, I wasn't that far off then, was I? No, well, you're not usually that far <laughs> off, Randy. Occasionally, but not always. <laughs> you're, you're good at reminding me when I'm way off. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And let's return to, back to you giving a, uh, a definition of um, the role that the sponsor plays. We were given a, a short list of things that a sponsor is. Uh, the next thing I think a sponsor is they're going to be an encourager, uh, a good listener. They're going to be a... Uh, 
uh, a role model. They're going to be a person generally who has uh, a great deal of uh, sobriety themselves. I think a sponsor is uh, someone with whom you can pray. Uh, it's a spiritual friend, a spiritual guide at some level, a person uh, who shares faith with you and uh, at times might encourage you to pray, might offer to pray with you, pray for you. I think particularly as we understand uh, these seven principles, they are faith-based, so I think prayer is an important part of working these principles, and a sponsor is someone with whom you can, you can do that. The next thing uh, a sponsor is is a, uh, a guide. Basically, if they're farther down the road, if they are a role model, if they are encouragers, if they are all, all the things we've talked about here, uh, they're also going to want to offer you practical suggestions. Now, I've said they're not fixers. They're good listeners. So, you know, a sponsor is never going to autocratically tell you what to do, but they are going to offer suggestions. And they're probably going to offer suggestions from their own experience. Yeah, things that have worked for them. Things that have worked for them or things that they've noticed have worked for other people in the in the group or the fellowship. So uh, they're going to be practical about things that uh, they would suggest you might consider, and then they will become willing to uh, encourage you. But that's that's why you want a sponsor who's had success, because people who've had success generally have ideas about what kinds of actions, behaviors, and so forth work. So that's a very short list of what a sponsor is. Mm -hmm. One last thing to say about it is that, and I hear this all the time, you can start out by asking a certain person to be a sponsor, and uh, hopefully the relationship goes well. But uh, there are times when you'll find that the sponsor just... uh, doesn't have enough time for you, doesn't have enough energy for you, maybe is not as much of an encourager or whatever. And, you know, I'd just like to let the listeners who are working the program out there know it's okay to switch. It's okay to say to a sponsor, you know, this relationship just really isn't being helpful to me and I'd, I'd like to switch to someone else. If a sponsor is relatively mature, you know, they'll kind of get that. I mean, not one size fits all. So if your sponsor gets angry, so what? You know, you've mm-hmm. got the rest of the group to talk to about right. that. Who, who then can serve as your sponsor? Well, you know, that's interesting because uh, I've always felt, ideally, it should be another person who's in the program, another person who is uh, also working the same kind of principles, has the same struggles historically, uh, is really suffering from the same addiction. Now, over the years, I've been willing to uh, open that up a little bit and say that a sponsor perhaps could be anyone who's recovering from some addiction. It may not necessarily be sexual addiction. My first sponsor was struggling with uh, sex addiction but he, uh, historically, but he was also very successful at recovery from alcoholism. Mm-hmm. So by the time I got to know him at first, he had 10 or uh, more years of recovery from alcoholism. There again, you know, he knew the program, he knew mm-hmm. the principles, he knew what to work and do. So I think it's important to have a person that's been successful at changing something uh, to be your sponsor. One misconception is a sponsor can never be your spouse. Yeah, uh, I was just going to say the, the the life guide for men points out so clearly that uh, that your sponsor cannot be your spouse. 
That's right. And cannot be a uh, a member of the opposite sex. Well, that's for sure in our field. And right. uh, as much as some of the men in the early days might be tempted for that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm looking for a really hot sponsor to yeah. help me through this. Well, you know. Uh, that's not going to work, and that's uh, the group would uh, slap you upside the head if you even <laughs> suggested such a thing. <clears throat> but anyway, yeah, yeah, a sponsor should be in our field a person of uh, uh, the same sex and the person who is uh, farther down the road. The uh, principle here also talks about character. Really, the heart and soul of this principle is about character. We're kind of just setting up, you know, having the group and people and a sponsor in your life that are going to particularly help you with this one because this one, I think is one of the tougher things to kind of get your uh, head around. And that is, you know, what are some of the, the character defects that uh, we struggle with? And so just to list several, selfishness is a character defect, anger that's expressed in unhealthy ways, pride might be a uh, character defect that we need to take a look at. Uh, anxiety is not necessarily always a feature of character, but it is something that we emotionally deal with. Competitiveness. I mean, you know, the list of negative kind of character traits can go on and on and on. Part of the job here of this principle is to really sit down, perhaps even at times with a counselor, and uh, understand what you think are some of the real deep uh, characterological issues that, uh, you know, we're all uh, struggling with at times. Uh, we've already talked at other shows uh, on, on other shows about anger and anxiety and things of that nature. So I'm not going to get into that so much today. But what I would like to emphasize to the listeners is that uh, this uh, principle, really more than any others, is about cultivating humility, for example, and uh, uh, really struggling with your pride, really struggling with what we love in the clinical world to call narcissism. And uh, one of the things to realize about pride and narcissism is that, uh, generally speaking, those people who struggle with those character defects are people who have been profoundly wounded as children and have grown up self-protecting and, and doing things for themselves and emphasizing themselves and, you know, those kinds of things. So, you know, in this principle, as we're struggling to get free from, you know, some of our own pride and that kind of thing, it, it's really good to have you know, supportive places where we can talk about, you know, some of the uh, the negative experiences of our early life, the woundings that happen to us. So that's, that's all part of, of changing character, I think. When we get into this assignment, uh, we're going to start looking at even some spirituality of this assignment. So if we are understanding some of the woundedness that happened to us, one of the things that uh, we're going to need to take a look at are, you know, who are the people that wounded us? Who are the people that have hurt us historically? And uh, one of the positive characters that we're going to want to work on in this principle is uh, an attitude of forgiveness eventually. You know, uh, it's okay at at, uh, certain points in our recovery journey to be angry at people that have hurt us. It's uh, all right at points to, to know what the, the pain and woundedness is all about and, you know, what the actual hurt was. And at some point, we're going to need to get to a place where uh, we at least consider the concept of forgiveness. The Bible certainly talks about this. There are any of us that come from whatever spiritual background, whatever denominational background, I think we would all recognize and accept that, 
you know, forgiveness is an important part of mature character, that, that ability to forgive those who have hurt us. So that's one of the things we're going to want to think about in this principle. I think another thing that is going to help us in this principle is listening to the stories of other people. And when we go to group meetings, uh, we're going to hear about uh, other people, their pain, uh, some of the stuff that they've gone through. And I think one of the positive character traits that we're, we're, we're longing for is uh, empathy, you know, having uh, compassion, having understanding of other people and, and how they got the way they got. So uh, I know when it came to hearing stories from other people at the various meetings that I went to, that it helped with a deeper understanding of how all people are, are wounded, all people cope with that woundedness, all people make mistakes in that coping. When you put all of this together, as we're trying to look at our character of anger, anxiety, pride, uh, selfishness, all of that, you know, empathy and compassion and forgiveness are, are really kind of some of the character traits that we all really want to work on. And it seems like when you find the right accountability group or if you find the right sponsor, uh, that individual or that group is going to really help you come to a much clearer understanding of all of those traits. That's right. You know, perhaps at the end of this show, it might be good to uh, emphasize one thing. I'm just aware of it because as uh, we were reading through this principle in terms of all the things that uh, are in the workbook here, one of the aspects of the workbook that I think is so powerful is that some of the concepts we're talking about today, compassion, forgiveness, empathy, positive character traits, moral defects, these can be kind of vague and uh, one of the things a workbook is really good at, hopefully, is getting you to journal. I can't emphasize enough that the the men that I've seen over the years that have made the most progress are the ones that are able to write and journal their thoughts about a subject. And the, uh, the workbook will, uh, in very specific ways, uh, direct you to do some journaling kinds of work. So, if you're sitting out there today and you're listening to this and it says, well, it sounds good, but it sounds vague, well, pick up a workbook and get into some of the specific writing assignments that will cause you to journal. And by journaling, I'm not talking about going to your laptop or your iPad or something like that and electronically journaling. I'm talking about uh, writing stuff out. There's nothing quite like actually writing things to kind of draw stuff out of your mind and out of your soul. I think that's great direction for our audience to be hearing uh, this morning. We'd uh, like to thank you for listening to the Men of Valor program with Dr. Mark Laser. I'm Randy Everett, your co-host. We'd like to thank Ben Laser for his help as our technical director today. Thank you for listening to the Men of Valor program, and we will be back with you again soon. You've been listening to the Men of Valor program with Dr. Mark Laser. For information about this program or to learn more about Faithful and True, visit us at faithfulandtrue.com. That's faithfulandtrue.com.